gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday. It's November 10th. It is Thursday morning. So we're going to give you all the latest news since the last time we spoke all the way up until this morning. It is fight week. And don't forget, we have a UFC 281 watch along on Saturday. Myself, Goes, Extreme Couture, Coach uh, Eric Nixon. He'll join us for a bit as well. John Orlando, the owner of Sticky Paw Studio, and he's a good friend of the show. He'll be with us. Oof. Uh, I just finished a breakfast burrito before the show started, so that is why the intro is a little rough here. Anyway, all right, so we're going to talk about the latest news. I saw a lot of the pre-fight stuff happening in New York. There is some interesting news coming out of there. These are storylines that lead into the fights. We also have an interview with Cody Durden, a UFC flyweight, who here in Las Vegas got a win a few weekends ago so we'll catch up with him and uh yeah that's it it's gonna be a fun show buckle up so goes um the fights are lining up nicely i don't have the feeling that um, anyone's not going to fight on Saturday for any types of various reasons. Everyone seemed confident, prepared, and acting professional. Almost too professional. Like, I wanted a knucklehead on stage or something, and I I, <laughs> I didn't get it. But now I'm starting to correlate that that, that stuff that happens, you know, or like a knucklehead, like, like the way Hamzat behaved. That also puts fights in jeopardy. Yeah, it's kind of a weird feeling because you're basically, if you're the UFC, you're just hoping this card sells based on the fact that it's a stacked card. It's a really, really good card. But you're not getting any of that stuff. You know, Carla said all the right things. Zhang Wei Li said all the right things. Poye and Chandler are probably the closest, I think, to maybe they kind of say things, but at the same time, they don't. And they always started off with, but I have respect or that sort of thing. And then Izzy and Perea are just kind of like, you know, Perea doesn't speak English, so you don't really get much there. And Izzy hasn't really been taking the bait much. So, yeah, you don't have too much, but it could get crazier today. We'll see. Yeah. You know, uh, Izzy said he can talk shit. Go ahead. Let me have it. I mean, it was kind of interesting that he kind of gave him the green light admitting what happened i knew i think what he knew was it's too much of an uphill struggle to say the fight was close before you knocked me out did you see the fight oh yeah well what about you know like no man no one's feeling that because um we'll we'll find out what's going to happen with whatever comeback you might have to say in a few days what's happened in the past happened in the past and I, i think he took the right approach to just say go ahead light me up let me have it you know Mm-hmm. And then hopefully on Saturday, all oh, that's erased, especially if he can get the finish. Remember, we've talked about this on spinning back click and, you know, side private sidebars or whatever. But a win will be nice. 
he still stays champ. He still stays pound for pound, one of the best. You know, he might have a little bit of competition from Volkanovski because Volkanovski's been on fire and not just finishing or not just winning by decision. But he'll keep everything that all these champions like to protect, and that's that's their coveted spot, the money, the fame, all that. But a knockout goes, I'm telling you. This will be so good for him. It'll be like a, a weight's been lifted off his chest. He'll get that finish that he's wanted over another guy who's – reputation is uh to be an assassin as well it, it, it'll go a long ways there's gonna be a big difference between a finish and a decision and it'll get better and better as time goes by because you're always gonna have your haters they're gonna say well Perea doesn't really have much mma experience right but he's gonna stick around and he's gonna be pretty good uh regardless if he wins or loses but i like the word that you use and it's erased that's a perfect word because I always use the Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz fights, right? One guy finished the other guy. The other guy needed the judges to say who won the fight, right? To me, there's a difference there. There's a little bit more scoreboard. If Izzy were to win this fight and win by knockout, well, technically you could still say, well, he did beat you two other times and he knocked you out as well. But this is a new sport and this sport is king. Right. So when we're talking about the baddest man on the planet, nobody mm-hmm. goes, but what about the glory champ? Right. We never do that. We never go. Uh, what about Gordon Ryan? It's MMA. So I feel like you're right. If he does knock him out, erased new sport. Now we know who's king. Um, it, it'll be a good thing for Israel Adesanya. This is the realest it's going to get, folks, unless. The Roman gladiator days were to come back and they fought to the death. <laughs> But this is as real as it gets. Um, you're the champ here. You're the baddest man here. You're the baddest man on the planet. The baddest man on the planet is uh, Francis Ngannou. Although I will tell you this, dude. I was at Extreme Couture yesterday, and the countdown team was there. Man, that Ankalaev is big. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I keep forgetting that he's probably walking around as a heavyweight right now. What I saw was about a 235-pound specimen who cuts to 205, but uh, yeah, that that's a big cat. I also saw Alex Pajeda. That's a big cat, too. Holy cow. But anyway, uh, they got future fights and future big days ahead of them, focusing back here. Uh, yeah, Adesanya, you know, I, I don't think I even saw the, the frost on his tips. There wasn't much bling talk, although that mansion's tight in New Jersey for the whole team. So that's cool. You know, they got a team of four fighters here on this card. Olberg, Riddell, Hooker, and Adesanya. They got a lot of coaches. They got the whole team. I think all of City Kickboxing came. So, good for them. You know, enjoy that. Um, I'm, I, I've always thought that the fighters within the confines of the hotel is, is probably better. But when you're a big team like that, then live it up. Why not? I'm sure they all chipped in or maybe they got a sponsor to do it. Who knows? However, back to that deal. Pajeda, in between Embedded, even his little kids talking smack, and him, I know Izzy watches it all. And I'm wondering if that's why Izzy arrived at the conclusion yesterday to just kind of stay humble and quiet, or if it's eating them up inside or whatever. But it will be personal. Once they lock that octagon door, it will, it will be personal. He can say all he wants in terms of like, oh, yeah, he gets the scoreboard. He can say whatever. It's not bothering me. Pajeda's done a good job of throwing little subtle jabs. He had one quote on Junkie that I was reading 
after I beat him, he won't want the rematch. Like, I thought that was pretty simple, mm-hmm. but powerful. He's saying, I'm going to beat him up so bad, he won't want it. And if you know your history, there's some other stuff. I'm his boogeyman. Like, he has nightmares. This is his chance to clear it. But if, if he can't clear that, he won't want the rematch, you know? And every champ wants the rematch, especially one that's defended the belt five times. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Um, do you think that the fighters are reacting the way they are because – I don't want to call them scared because we all know they're not. They're doing this for a living. But there's a lot on the line for all of these fighters. When you think about Carla Esparza, she ain't ever going to see a title again if she loses this fight, right? Age, you saw how hard it was for her to get the first shot. Um, Michael Chandler's record's not stellar in the UFC, right? They like him, and it's easier to push him. But you do have to win. Dustin Poirier is probably not going to see... Uh, the top again if he probably loses this fight. There's just so much on the line. Israel Adesanya, right? Like, think about the pill he's got to swallow if he gets KO'd again or something like that. Mm. Do you think they're all just not scared, but maybe nervous? Yeah, I think so. They've got to be, especially. We'll start with Izzy since we're we're still on him. Um, Madison Square Garden. He, there's a lot on line for for a guy to beat you twice in kickboxing and twice and once in MMA. If that if it were to go down down that road. I'm going to use the word again. It would erase a lot of what we say about Israel Adesanya. For one, you can't put him in the same conversation as Anderson Silva. Uh, you can bring it up, but then right away when you start saying, well, Anderson defended 10 times, and even though Israel beat him, Anderson was what, you know into his 40s and blah, blah, blah. It just kind of tails off, right? Israel Adesanya stays in the conversation if he keeps racking up those title defenses and with having the win over Anderson Silva, it shouldn't necessarily be a tiebreaker, just kind of like a little cherry on top, but not necessarily a tiebreaker. And all that gets erased. He's no longer a champ. Now there's a monster that owns you and is 3-0. Israel would probably get another shot, I would think, especially if it's a great fight. But you also got a quality guy in Robert Whitaker that the UFC can always kind of fall back on to just kind of get him in there and freshen them, freshen the division up. You know, Strickland and you know, whoever else, I guess, they, they want to get in there. That might be their chance to squeeze some other guys in, put Izzy against someone else, and then figure it out. Now, I don't know. Israel usually has a good idea of how to stand up for himself, so it'd probably be an immediate rematch. But I don't know. Who knows, right? Depends on how Saturday unfolds. However, I did want to add one last thing. If if Israel Adesanya can finish Alex Pajeda goes, he climbs closer to Anderson Silva. He doesn't have to match him 10 for 10. And I think he erases his fight against Eraser, his fight against Yoel, and maybe even his fight against Jared Cannonier. Now, not from our memory banks altogether, but we're going to stop talking about that every time we bring up a future Israel Adesanya fight. We're just going to be focused on, did you see the monster that took mm-hmm. the next step and defeated Alex Pajeda, a guy that's been a thorn in his side, a guy that's a glory champion, champ champ, with two wins over Izzy, one being a knockout. He iced him. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? That That's why I think this could be so big for Izzy. You know, it's strange. I was thinking about this division last night is every division has some kind of wrestler or something, right? That That's near the top. This division doesn't really, like, it's really all about striking. I mean, there's a few guys that have wrestling credentials, but you don't have like what you used to have with like a Chael Sonnen, right? Where you knew he could get a takedown whenever he wanted on some of these guys. Uh, that's like a little that's like a little bit of a challenge that we haven't really seen 
for a guy like Israel Adesanya, except when he went up in weight and that kind of got exposed a little bit, right? Now, you could call it a bigger guy. You could call it bad wrestling defense, whatever you want. But but that challenge hasn't really been in the in the middleweight division. Have you noticed? I have. And I think of Derek Brunson, who's got D1 uh, credentials, but he doesn't like to use them. He's actually falling in love with his striking, and it's worked. He's also 38, I think. And remember, when you haven't done, when you haven't gone to the college room consistently, like the college athletes do, every day for six months in the offseason, every day for six months during the season, and you're constantly blasting doubles and doing wrestling, 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 I don't know that at 38 you can probably turn to it and take the average man off the, off his feet in the streets, but you have to time it pretty good for the guy that's expecting it inside the confines of an octagon. So, yeah, Der- uh, Derek Brunson, I think he uses it when he has a chance, especially when other fighters are tired. Um, and then Jack Hermanson's got awesome jujitsu, you know, very, very good grappling. But even even he uh, will stand with you if he can. He, you know, he'll, he'll like he tried it with Chris Curtis and it wasn't happening. But guess what? They wound up standing and he won that fight. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. There's just not that guy that's committed to it like a Chelsea. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving on to the co-main event, Carla Sparza versus Jean Lee. Carla was trying everything. Went over the crowd by being nice. She said the belt stays in America. She was just getting booed. What is the deal here? Because remember, Jean Lee was the one getting booed in Jacksonville, I believe, when she was facing Joanna Janjacek. Goes to show you the nationalism part. Maybe that's not the right word, but um, whatever country you're from doesn't really come into play. At the time, maybe it had to do with the beginning of the pandemic and the big red flag that was coming out of you know China. Who knows? And and the fact that uh, sorry it was Rose uh, Rose not not Joanna uh, Rose is super popular, right? Um, and Zhang Zhang Weili was getting booed, but then Carla, who's also American. Although she does fly the Ecuador flag, is it the last name? What could it be um, that she was getting mercifully, mercifully booed, and Zhang Wei Li is now beloved? I think it could be a couple things. I think first, it could be just how shitty of a last fight she had. Yeah, you know, that could be people going, "Man, I paid for that crap. Thanks a lot, Carla." I hope you never win again. You know, that sort of thing. It could even go back as far as uh, her season of uh, tough when people kind of felt she was a little bit of a bully, right? And I think that carried over for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, until but, you, know, you think a lot of those fans that went to that press conference, they seem to me like younger, boisterous fans. Could Did be. Did they even watch that tough 10 years ago? I don't know. But remember, that carried a while. Like, even when she ended up fighting Randa Marcos and all that, like, um, it could be that. I don't know, but she's kind okay. of a likable person. She's got that yeah. little maybe monster. too nice. Maybe she's almost too vanilla, and so the fans don't have a reaction. And maybe, maybe, maybe it's not even a boo, Carla. Maybe it's just we love Zhang Weili, and it's really well. She did. They actually did boo Carla. I take it back, but not with like a hatred or vitriol or anything. But let me ask you this: If Rose had been there. So let's say Carla fell off a week ago, and it's Rose versus Zhang Wei Li. Rose ain't getting booed, and what? Zhang no. Wei Li getting all those cheers? 
She's not because she's thug rose, right? She's she had a boring fight. She was one half of that boring fight you talked about. Right. But I think just people like her, they gravitate to her. You yeah, know? I hear you. Um anyway, that said, you know, Carla was trying everything possible, but there was a lot of respect. And Zhang Wei Li really isn't isn't the time type to gloat. She was just kind of having fun with it. She's learned a little bit of English. I think she's starting to come off a little charming. Kind of like the way that we describe Li Jing Liang. He was very charming the week of his fight, UFC 279. Um, and I think that's how she's coming off. So in a way, I think that's good because mm-hmm. it's a big difference from, like I say, just a few years ago. And at the same time, gravitate towards the fighters because you want to be their fans, but don't use you know, their country of origin or the hatred that's being spewed nowadays leave that to the side and just treat them as athletes and human beings and and that i was happy to see that for jean willy i was just hoping carla would get some support too yeah no, i hear you it, it was kind of a, a little odd but uh i think a lot of it's carryover from the last fight yeah jean willy did have an interesting comment and it was along the lines of Alex Pajeda, keeping it simple. You know, he won't want a rematch after UFC 281. Well, Jean Weili said, nothing about her scares me. And, geez, you would think that after almost 30 years of MMA, we kind of almost would have heard that before. And if we did, I guess it went in one ear and out the other for me. But she just almost made it sound like, I got this. Well, I mean, she makes a pretty good point, right? Like, when we're all breaking down this fight, we're searching for reasons why Carla Sparza should win this fight, you know? And uh, you guys will see it on Saturday for the um, the watch-along. But Grant Dawson, UFC lightweight Grant Dawson, did a, a, the keys to victory on that. And even he was kind of, like, searching. He's like, I have to kind of make something up here, uh, a recipe for her to win, and it wouldn't be fun at all. And even then, it would be kind of hard to do. So, uh she just doesn't really have very many avenues to victory here. Yeah, and here's the thing. Carla can win boring on Saturday, and it won't matter as much because Carla's not consumed like Izzy and Connor with also being beloved by the fans. I'm sure it's nice, mm-hmm. but I think she just goes on living with her husband and doing her thing. She, she doesn't kind of get in it for that. So she can actually fight to be not necessarily boring but efficient or we called it surgical tactical the other day and 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 just move on you know what i mean and just be like a gsp and i find it funny that grant was struggling because i think she could almost do what grant dawson did and that's just focus on your wrestling your grappling keep her down when rose got her down she kept her down i think carla can do the same thing now every fight since then i'm sure jean Lee keeps getting better and better and she's a phenomenal athlete so I, I'm not saying she's going to be easy to keep down or e- just as easy to keep down now as she was, you know, f- a few years ago. Uh, I mean, yeah, she she can take her down, but she doesn't really have like a finishing rate when she does that. So she'd have to do it five times, right? Three times. Or at least three times. And avoid, yeah, and avoid getting 10 aided. She could get 10 aided one, one round and still get out of there with a draw. But if the objects to get out of there with the belt, Hopefully her and Coach Oyama, Oyama, excuse me, have 
come up with something and, and not said, hey, you're going to take her out with that big right or that big left or that kick to the head, that ain't going to get it done. Um, you can get it done once you get her down and you can ground and pound, but focus on that wrestling, win three rounds, 10-9, that's the way out. Now, I'm not cheering for that type of a fight, but I think that's basically the way she can win if you're an odds player. Remember, she's like plus 280. She'll probably be plus 300 by the time she does fight. So um, one thing I can say, man, is Carla has figured out the game one way or another because to win a title and then win it eight years later, that's mm -hmm. pretty amazing. And now add that with Invicta titles or the title at Invicta and the tough champ title. That's a stellar career, man. And if she can get past this one, this is a tough out. Then now it it's clear. It, and I shouldn't say it's the coast is clear, but I think she I think she could beat Lemos, for example. I also think she could beat Rodriguez because her okay. strength is their weaknesses. She she could almost have smooth sailing for a while because I thought another boogie woman for her was Joanna, and Joanna's out. Although I don't know if you noticed, but Joanna popped back into the rankings, mm -hmm. and then apparently she got taken out by that bot that follows the UFC's transactions. So who knows what's happening there? Yeah, that, that would be uh, her kryptonite, I think, if Joanna came back. But uh, yeah. but for the most part, I mean, her division has always been stacked. No matter what time period you look at, there were always killers. So for her to be able to survive this long and be successful the way she has, she gets her props for that. Yeah, and she and Rose can't get a third, a third shot at her right away. Those are almost impossible to get. You can get them, but they're almost impossible. She's going to have to win at least probably two fights. So she's almost clear to that. Jessica Andrade is another tough cookie, but she's fighting. She fought her last fight at strawweight when she had that beautiful choke out of Amanda Limo standing guillotine earlier this year. It might even be sub of the year. And now she's fighting at flyweight versus Lauren Murphy. So we don't know what Andrade is doing. So again, Carla, big, big fight, man. I'm telling you, if she can get past this one. She, uh, it might be smooth sailing for her for, for 2023. Anyway, moving on to the feature bout. Actually, before we tackle that, why don't we catch up with Cody Durden? Because I think that was a good time to catch up with the UFC flyweight. Coming off a huge win at the Apex a few weekends ago. Let's talk to him, and then we'll come back and, and continue chatting about UFC 281. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar in the sport of mixed martial arts. We get to talk to Cody Durden today, who's coming off a big win over Carlos Mota at the recent fight night here in Las Vegas. Cater versus Allen. What's up, Cody? How are you? Man, I'm, I'm living life. You know, life rips, and uh, I'm living it. For sure. Yeah, I uh, was checking you out on Twitter. Looked like you had some fun at the Atlanta Motor Speedway recently. You know, I had to do a double take because you kind of are, don't take this wrong, but the white version of Rafael Asuncao, or he could be the Latin version of Cody Durden, however you want to look at it. But I had to do a double take. I didn't have my glasses. I almost thought, uh, it, the only reason I, I was sold on it for a second is because he's from Atlanta, too. He's from that yeah. area. So yeah. I had to do a quick double take. But uh, anyway. Dude, you Rafael Asuncio was the one who inspired me to start fighting. Uh, oh, my first sure. MMA practice ever, it was in 2011. Uh, I went to a gym called The Compound. They were starting an MMA program. They brought him in as a special guest. And uh, 
dude, I met him and, and he asked me how old I was. And I told him I was 20, 21, 22 at the time. And, uh, he was like, man, you better get started. And, uh, I never looked back since. Oh, what a tie in. I mean, I would have honestly never guessed that. I just, like I say, it was a quick double take when I looked to see, but that was you there. And, and now you share that with us. Uh, so that's four fights you've had in like the last year, three in 2022, but going back to the end of 2021, you had a fight three in one run. Um, did you like that? Do you prefer to stay busy like that? Or was that like the type of run that you do? And now you decompress for six months and then give it another go. Uh, no, nah, man. I'm, I mean, I'm taking two weeks off, but we're, we're getting back right back to it. Um, yeah, I had four fights in one year and three and one, and I, I think it's pretty good. But, uh, you know, the Makaya fight didn't go my way, but I learned from it and uh, had to dig deep, had to make some changes in the camp. And, uh, yeah, I started going to American Top Team Coconut Creek and, and doing my camps out of there, and it was great. Well, I love it when a fighter stays busy and they stay on our radar because you know as good as anybody else, once the fight's over – he basically just shut the door. All right, who are the next 24 fighters that are fighting the following week? And then they get their spotlight. And then, as you well know to that, the pay-per-views get even bigger spotlights. Seems like the fight nights just kind of get a quick little brush, you know. So when you can yeah. stay on the radar and, and uh, you know, you're, you're, you're winning, then I, I believe that's when it's the time to strike, right, and kind of ask what you want. And I, I already see you chirping uh online as well uh you know is that the way you're leaning you you're uh looking to pick a fight with ode osborne or day osborne man i i never said anything to ode osborne um you know he, he lost his last fight i'm on a two fight win streak i think he's a great fighter but uh, i think i smoke him i'm looking more towards the top 15 or i'm looking for uh the to reschedule the fight with clayton rodriguez he um pulled out six days before and I just you know he didn't give it any excuse didn't say anything Mick Maynard just said he was injured he was out and uh you know I told I've messaged Dana White I said it doesn't matter who you put in there I'm showing up on Friday and I'll and I'll be on weight and so uh that's how it that's how it turned out but yeah I never mentioned Ode's name I, I really I think he's a great fighter, but I really don't care to fight him. I'll fight anyone, you know. I haven't turned down any UFC fights. You can look at my resume. I've fought the, uh, some tough, tough competitors. And uh, I think Clayton, you know, we need to reschedule this fight with Clayton and, uh, you know, write, write the pullout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, another thing I've noticed, too, is a lot of Vegas fights, other than the trip to London, Vegas has kind of been your jam. I mean, granted, I, after the pandemic, it seemed like the majority of the shows were going to be in Vegas. But what I'm shifting to is, do you want to – do you think it's time now to get on a pay-per-view? And would you like to fight outside of Vegas? Or do you prefer the intimacy of the Apex? No, I definitely want to fight in front of the fans. But, you know, I'm, I'm a company man. I, I, I kind of do what I'm, I'm told and, and do what I'm asked of. And – and that's what I've done my whole career. And uh, if they want me to fight at the Apex, I'll fight there. If they want me to fight in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile the Arena, let's go. Uh, I've already proved I'll go 
and, and get my uh, COVID vaccination and my passport. And I'll go across the world and, and fight the number one ranked pound for pound amateur in the world. So uh, just, you know, whatever the company wants, I'll, I'll, I'll do. You're the perfect guy for me to ask this to because I've often told the fighters, try and forge your own pass. Don't always leave it in the hands of the UFC. I respect your stance. However, let's take a look at a guy like Alex Volkanovsky. He just said, you know what? Sounds like Darius is next. You know, he might be the sub. But tell you what, me and my whole team, we're going to fly down there. And he seemed like he took control of that situation. Now he might be next for Makashev, who's the new champion, in Perth, so his home country, all because he kind of took control. Now, granted, he's a he's a champion. He's on a roll. You're, you still haven't reached that level, right? So maybe, right. maybe not an apples-to-apples comparison. But – do you watch it when do you watch when fighters do that and have an appreciation for maybe like yeah maybe I do need to like you know be more vocal or or tell them what I want? Absolutely, you know Dana White always t- talks about taking advantage of the opportunity, and I think what Volkanovski did right there is that he created his own opportunity. He knew what he wanted, and uh, he went and and took it. So Cody, the the situation that you were in, having to take a fight on short notice like that. There are certain things that happen throughout everybody's career. I think this is one of them that eventually catches somebody. Um, But like kind of on that bucket list of things you have to go through as a professional fighter at a high level, what was that experience like for you as far as uh, any changes you had to do, as far as strategy, what it did to you mentally, physically, getting that news? What was it like to kind of cross that one off the list? Uh, There was a bunch of uncertainty, you know, when things like that happen. And I envisioned Clayton Rodriguez at every practice. Uh, Every time I was running my miles, um, I was I was with, you know, other training partners and and I was putting his face on their head. And uh, I did not want to lose in a run. I didn't want to lose at practice. And for it to be switched up, it it, kind of threw me a loop. But, uh, you know, I talked to my coach and and we just discussed that, dude, you know, you're a fighter and, uh, you know, who are you and, and what are you about? And uh, I was prepared. I was healthy. Um, and granted, Carlos is, is a, a much tougher opponent than than Clayton, in my opinion. You know, he's a BJJ black belt. He, he's got knockout power in his hands. Very crisp boxing. You know, granted, I thought he was a, a much uh, tougher opponent than Clayton Rodriguez, and he's a BJJ black belt. He has very crisp boxing. Um, and my coach just, you know, asked me, you know, who am I and what am I about? And it, it didn't matter, you know. Uh, I was prepared, I was healthy, and I was ready to go. So that mentality that you have, some fighters, uh, when we ask them, what do, you, what do you see in the future? They tell us, I'm focused on right now. But, you know, you've been talking about you'll, you'll basically take any fight. You don't really care. Um, so that mentality, when you look at, like, the champs, the champ right now, okay, do you feel like you're ready for him right now or do you feel like it's going to take a couple fights? You're still learning things. Where, where, where do you feel as far as the, the title picture and all that? Uh, well, I've trained with the best guys in the world and I've saw the progress and I've saw the growth in uh, my fight game, not just physically but mentally. And uh, I'd say I'm ready to give him a run for his money right now. You know, it could be next week. Um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm down. So if we talk again next time, next year, this same time, what do you think we'd be talking about? What do you think would be the main topic? How do you see the the next twelve months going? Uh, how, Cody, how did you how did you picture your uh, uh, being in the title contention? You know, uh, that's what we're going to talk about. You know, I wrote my goals down today, actually, for two thousand twenty three, and uh, you know, I want to I want a top fifteen opponent. I want to beat a top fifteen opponent, and I want to be in within. Uh, title contentions by the end of 2023. What date on the calendar would you be ready to fight right now? Where you could say, that's an honest camp. I'll be at my best. Um, factor in the holidays or don't factor them in, whatever you want. But like, you know, January 30, February 28. Is, when do you think you'd be prime Cody for a fight versus a top 15 guy? Uh, well, since my fight, I, I had some injuries. Not injuries, but I was hurt a little bit. And uh, I haven't been able to make it back to the gym yet, but uh, I plan on making it back next week. So I'm, I'm taking two weeks off. I'm going to get back in the gym. But, you know, Cody Durden's going to be at his best uh, February. That's that's the date I want. And uh, hopefully I get that um, rescheduled with Clayton. Okay. That's Perth, Australia. That's that pay-per-view. Perfect. I want to see you on a pay-per-view. And – the next one after that is either going to be in England or in Las Vegas, March, April, you know. So yeah. it'd be really nice to talk to you in one year and have that fight. But another one I was looking at for you, too, is either the winner of um, Nicolau and Schnell or the winner of Albalzi and Royville. I think those would be some good fights, too. Sometime yeah. around International Fight Week here in Las Vegas. Right, right. Hey, that's that's perfect. You know, uh, my goal is, you know, to overall just succeed. You know, I want to I want to start my own business one day. I want to be able to provide for my kids. You know, my kids and my wife, they mean the world to me. And, and that's who I fight for. And, uh, you know, the the belt's great and all. But at the end of the day, it's about providing for the your family and the ones that mean most to you. What kind of business do you want to start? I want to start my own gym one day. Mm. Would it be combat sports, like an MMA gym or like a fitness gym or both? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so both fitness and MMA. No, no. Uh, combat sports gym. Uh, not really the weightlifting stuff. You know, I don't have much experience in that, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I want to I want to be able to share my knowledge one day and everything that I've went through and, and everything that I've done throughout my career and, and be able to help the young guys coming up. Almost like a son saw the way he kind of had some wisdom to share with you a few years ago. You want to do return the favor a little bit. Exactly. Yes, sir. What did you think of his fight? He fought in the last month or so and then he got a win and uh, it was pretty cool. Like everyone was cheering for the guy, you know what I mean? Cause he knows he's been pretty open about the fact that he could be hanging them up soon. Um, but he got out there and he got a dub. Dude, it was it was awesome. You know, he, he sacrificed and left his family for two months. And he came back uh, about two, probably three weeks before his fight. He came back for a week and hit me up. He was like, hey, Cody, let's spar tomorrow. Small gloves. And I was like, all right. And uh, I met him at the gym. And, dude, we had a hard sparring session. I mean, uh, tempers flared and 
it, it was good though. You know, afterwards we just looked at each other and smiled and, and, uh, you know, I knew right then when, when he started mixing in the takedowns and, and, uh, you know, his cardio was on point that the old Hafi was back. And, uh, I knew that guy, Victor Henry was, was in for a real fight. And what did he do? He came out and he used his wrestling and his striking. He mixed it up perfectly. And that guy was, was, uh, surprised by that yeah. because his last previous fights, he wasn't really wrestling. And, uh, we had a long discussion about that and, uh, man, I was just so happy, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was 10 years ago that he first talked to you. You said when you were 21, right? Or something like that. Right. Right. But we, we still trained together, you know, since then I started, you know, when I turned pro in 2016, I reached out to Hoppy again. I was like, yo, let's get some rounds in. And, uh, man, he opened the door for me. I, you know, I, I used to drive an hour and 30 minutes to Alpharetta to go train with him. Uh, so yeah, we, we've, we've kind of connected since 2016 and, and got so many training sessions in it, he he's just like a, such a good guy. You know what I mean? Hey, you as a lighter weight class guy and us tying in Hoffa to this conversation. Were you ever a fan of the WEC? Do you remember that? Jose I do. Cub and Dominic and Asansau and Poirier was there. Man, that was a great promotion. Yeah. So Brian Bowles, his head coach is his name's Chad Schaefer, and Chad Schaefer used to coach Brian Bowles, uh, Forrest Griffin and a bunch of the amateur champions around Georgia. And uh, about two years ago, I reached out to him, or actually a year ago, a little over a year ago, a year and a half ago, I reached out to him and I, and I was trying to get him back in uh, to coaching me. And, you know, he, he took my offer and, you know, he's, he's one of my head coaches now. He goes, he goes to every fight with me and uh, we just train in his garage a, a lot of the times, but, uh, you know, what he brings the the fight IQ and and uh, his knowledge is is very beneficial to me. Very cool. Um, just a couple more here. How did you get the pit row passes for that uh, that day at the speedway? That that must have been quite an experience. Yeah, it was. Uh, so they had a huge car show going on, uh, a tattoo convention, and uh, pro wrestling. You know, I met. Uh, Buff Bagwell, he came up to me and, and told me he was a huge fan and congrats on the win. And uh, a bunch of old school wrestlers, Chase Stevens, Kevin Nash. And uh, it, it was a fun experience. Got to sign a bunch of uh, autographs for some fans. And uh, I enjoyed myself. You think you could ever get a car like that, 200 miles an hour, even even just you by yourself with a pro next to you? Uh, well, Rafael Asuncio races cars, and right. uh, I've been trying to get him to take me, but he hasn't taken me yet. <laughs> so, I wanna, I wanna get in the car, and and even if I'm a passenger, I wanna, I wanna feel the thrill because I know it's one. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, hey, great getting to talk to you here about all these different topics, bringing up the past, the WEC days. As you were talking, I was looking for my WEC glove that we have. Maybe Goes has it. I don't know, but. Um, man, uh, you know, the blue canvas, they were based here in Vegas. So we would, uh, go to the fights a lot and we got a lot of great memories from there. Carlos Condit. I remember Carlos Condit used to scare goes because didn't you say goes, that's like the last guy you wanted to meet in an alley. Cause he was always foaming at the mouth on fighting. Like, uh, mess people he, up. He has the most intimidating stare down 
But when you talk to him outside of it, he's like one of the nicest people ever. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, um, back to you. The focus is on you. Uh, uh, we hope those injuries are minor. They are. Get back going so that maybe a, a three-fight 2023 awaits you with some big fights, top 15, get on a pay-per-view. Uh, we live in Las Vegas. Of course, we don't mind seeing you here, but if we're going to see you, we want to see you at the T-Mobile. Let's get out of that apex, you know what I mean? Yes, uh, sir. <laughs> and, I and, and get some big fights uh, in front of you. So thank you so much for the time, man, and we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Well, I enjoyed that. I did not expect that connection to Rafael Asuncao. I thought you set him up. Just because I thought he kind of looked like him. I just didn't have my glasses on. I really didn't. And when I looked twice, I was like, is that Asuncao? Uh, and then come to find out, this is the guy that told him, hey, you should try MMA. Yeah, that uh... – even if he went like, I was just with Sunsao last week, you'd still kind of go, oh, that's a coincidence. But like, for him to be the reason he got into MMA is pretty nuts. I thought you set him up for that question. So no. that uh, that being a miracle like that's pretty funny. I wouldn't have said a Sunsao if it didn't say Atlanta Mortar Speedway. If it would have said um, Pocono, I think that's in Pennsylvania, or... Las Vegas Speedway. I probably wouldn't have thought twice about it, but when it it said it, I thought, "Oh, he took a picture of a Sunsail, or did he retweet a Sunsail, or I don't know." But the Atlanta connection is what did it. But anyway, uh, keep an eye on Cody Durden, winner of three of the last four, last win over Carlos Mota, and he says he wants some big fights. So we'll see what happens in twenty twenty three for him. Let's get back to another big fight: Chandler versus Poyegas. This one, Poye described it really nice, a head-on collision. This is what it's going to be. Both guys have acknowledged that having Oliveira out of the way does clear the path a little bit. But Chandler feels like it clears the path more for him. I think you would agree with that because Poye has kind of gotten a team of taste. Uh, sorry, he's gotten a taste of him versus Team Dagestan when he fought Habib. Chandler has yet to have that. And I think Chandler seems to be a little bit more in the UFC's the cozier confines, you know, like mm -hmm. oh, I to take the big guest room. Poye, there's another guest room over here. Not to say that they have a problem with Poye, because obviously they just got into bed with them with that whole barbecue sauce thing going on, and they've given them donations to the Good Fight Foundation. So props to him there, always to Dustin for helping the cause in Lafayette, Louisiana. But still, I feel like they really want to promote Chandler in big fights. There's something that I've I've always sensed there. Yeah, he's got more more things in his favor uh, if you're looking at the road back. But this fight, I mean, to me, might as well just give him 50 grand now. I think it's going to be fight of the night. It doesn't even have to be destruction. Just the matchup alone. Like, even if uh, if you found out neither guy really put the other guy down or something, tactically, it should be a fun fight. So I, I'd say give him the bonus now. But this is going to be a good one. Uh, as far as the pick goes, early on, man, I was leaning Michael Chandler. Then I heard, heard a couple breakdowns, and I was thinking, you know, a lot of it depends on just. I know you don't like this, but Father Time, when is it going to catch up to, uh, to Dustin Poirier? You know, I think he's maybe slowed down a little, but not a lot. But that that tends to happen in one fight where we all go, oh, okay, might be too much now. Um, if that if that happens to him, then I think Michael Chandler wins. Um, because Michael Chandler, for as much wear and tear as he has on his body and all that, he's still pretty damn explosive, dude. He really has. So 
hopefully he learned his lesson in the Oliveira fight. I think if he does get Dustin Poirier hurt, man, whatever you have left in that gas tank, you just got to pounce on that opportunity and get Dustin out because Dustin will bounce back and he's he's a tough fighter. So I'm still kind of leaning Michael Chandler, but I really think this is going to be fight of the night. Poirier is 33 years of age, so he's younger than Michael Chandler. But inside the octagon, so Chandler's 36, Chandler moves around like he's the younger guy. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of that, I attribute that to his athleticism, his natural genes. But I think he type, he puts in a lot of that type of work where he wants to be explosive. And if you follow him on Instagram, he's always doing incredible stuff to keep him that way. Um, I don't, Poirier doesn't strike me as the type of guy that abuses any walk of life. Like I don't hear about him playing cards till 3 a.m. or, you know, boozing out of his mind. The drug scene, the party scene really seems like a grounded family man. But I'll tell you this much. Where Dustin Poirier looks old is on the ground. On the feet, he's got great hands. He really knows how to throw his hands. But on the ground, he's easy to take down. He's easy to keep down. He's got a nice guillotine. Uh, You know, he's almost shut some people off from there. But I remember when Habib took him down. This was on the heels of him getting that hip operation and having some time off. It was so easy. And and Dustin looked like he didn't stand a chance at thrusting his hips and, you know, sprawling or just doing anything. He just kind of said, oh, yeah, you got me. Almost like a a newlywed couple. The man just ravages the wife you know says let's fall onto the bed and dustin said let's do that you know and there was just no no defense to it at all and so what i'm getting at is if chandler wants to lean on his wrestling i think that's one way that he can maybe hurt poyer trouble poyer and also keep poyer more honest in the stand-up if you just stand with poyer he's going to use all 15 minutes to figure out the best angles the timing to just rat-a-tat-tat rat-a-tat-tat now remember poyer has gotten his clock clean before by Michael Johnson. So if you got speed and you got power, you can touch that chin. He has been put out, but it's been years since then. So mm-hmm. he's not, it's not as easy to get clean shots on Poirier. Yeah. It's um, I think as fans, we all have our opinions on the way that guy should fight. I think now that he's more of a family guy, I think he really is. Like I, I kind of believe him when he says, you know, it doesn't mean there's going to be an absolute war, but he can't promise anything. I think his family probably tells him the same thing, you know, and I think the older you get, the more that advice really sinks in. So I don't really think it's going to be bananas. I just think it's going to be a good tactical fight. Mm. Yeah, so do I. And and Chandler seems to have shed the previous fight in Madison Square Garden, the, the Gagey fight. Um, what I mean by that is he acknowledges it was a fight of the year. He acknowledges it was entertaining. He acknowledges that's right down his alley, but he also acknowledged he was he used f- low fighter IQ. He got caught up in at moments when he used low fighter IQ, and Justin Gagey didn't. Justin mm-hmm. Gagey knew how to be violent, but also knew how to be tactical, and that made the difference. And it seems like he really has come to be honest with that. And I think that adjustment alone, along with being under the tutelage of Henry Hooft, I don't think that'll be a problem this time. I think he'll still and always entertain, but I think he's going to be more tactical. Now, I don't know if that means wrestling or not, because he rarely uses the wrestling. But when he does, uh, when he's leaned on it in the past, it's helped. 
he's great at it. You know, we talk about wear and tear on these guys' bodies. Like, you got to remember, Dustin Poirier fought in the WEC. Michael Chandler, what he went through in, in collegiate sports alone, puts a lot of wear and tear on your body. So these guys, uh, you know, they're in their 40s, but if you look at their bodies and what they've been through, they've been through a lot. So I don't know, even if you wanted to, how long you could fight like that. Honestly, I don't I don't see it being that way, though. Yeah. Folks, you can catch all of the pre-fight packages that the UFC did with our team, MMA Junkie. We have three of our teammates on site, Cold Coffee, Nolan King, Mike Bond. So they did individual interviews, pre-fight interviews with us. You'll also see the pre-fight press conference uh, that went up yesterday. It was pretty lively, about 35, 40 minutes. I'd say Pajeda and Izzy were probably the most chipper, but everybody else was um, respectful. But yet it was still a, a fun press conference to watch. You can go to youtube.com forward slash uh, MMA Junkie Video. And that's the same spot. You can also go to grab our watch along and check it out. On No, sorry. That's not where they can go watch the watch along. That's where you can watch Spinning Back Click every Monday. So quick plug for that. But what I wanted to say was don't forget to watch the watch along on Saturday by going to MMA Junkie. You'll see the link there that takes you directly to us, our friends Panda, Typical Sports, USA Today Sports. All of us come together for every pay-per-view so we can do these watch-alongs. We will watch the fights along with you. Tell your friends. Share that. Tweet it. 5 p.m. East uh, Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be there for those four featured prelims. And then the five fights on the pay-per-view. That starts at 10 Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And our colleague, Farah Hanoon, if you want more, if you want a, a proper preview on fight day, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, she'll be on there. She usually jumps on with one of our colleagues, and uh, she'll do a breakdown of the fights uh, and the fight card, the biggest fights on the fight card, UFC 281, on Saturday. So check out MMA Junkie. Keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout. Now, just to finish up, a couple last things. Frankie Edgar goes, he ain't turning back. He says, this is it. This is the final walk. He said, this is it in mma right so if the opportunity were to come up he used manny pacquiao as an example in boxing he said he wouldn't walk away from something like that i really don't want to see that at all uh manny pacquiao i don't know if you guys have noticed you watch floyd mayweather in some of these exhibitions and i think he's all about i just don't want to get hurt i'm just gonna stick and move tag this guy get out manny pacquiao don't play that game dude manny pacquiao will knock you the hell out and that's the last thing you want if you're Frankie Edgar. So you think about the trauma, the head trauma, that times that by four in a boxing match like that with a guy like Manny Pacquiao, I, I would not play that game. I hope this is the last we see of him in combat sports. Did he specifically say that it, if Manny Pacquiao were to want to box, he would do it? Mm-hmm. Boy, it, it better be one of those where the juice is worth the squeeze, like $10 million or something, because you're right, he don't play. I think what you're saying about Floyd is uh, spot on. I know this almost sounds terrible, but he'll carry the fight Mm -hmm. and carry the opponent until it's the time to put him away. It's exactly what he did with um, uh, Conor McGregor, you know, but in no way was Conor McGregor competitive. You may have scored the first four rounds, but we all kind of knew what was unfolding. Conor McGregor did hit him with an uppercut. We're not blind. But that fight was unfolding in a way where Floyd was very, very comfortable. And then eventually he got the finish. And what does he normally not do? Get finishes. But 
he he's good at that. Same thing with the Logan Paul deal. Like you know, he he he's he is an expert at that. Manny, no, that's a switch. Manny could probably think that's what he'll do, but then once it starts, both hands, whether he's loading up or falling back, they're just heavy, and he goes out there to pummel. And then at the end, he'll say, "Hey, come to my concert." What <laughs> about the scene? You can come on stage and play the drums. Uh, okay, I, I hadn't heard that part. I just heard the part where him and Gutierrez are kind of getting a little chipper, but for the most part, uh, I guess, you know, respectful. And Gutierrez is going in there to win, you know, and then obviously Frankie Edgar is beloved, so best of luck to him. Molly McCann's on the card. Um, I don't like her odds against Aaron Blanchfield. Aaron Blanchfield is someone who just stifles and strangles and suffocates. Uh, and if Molly McCann can pull it off, good for her, man. I think some big, big fights await her. I don't know if Valentina would necessarily be next per se, but the one thing she does have a good hold of is how to win the crowd over. I think you would agree with that. Yeah, but she's got a little bit of help every time, right? Every time mm-hmm. that happens, uh, there's another person in the, the cage that commands a lot of respect and a lot of cheers from the fans. We're used to seeing them fight on the same card, so we'll see how how that affects her. But yeah, yeah, I don't think she's uh, title shot bound or anything like that. I think she still needs some work. All right, we just got two more items of business, and then we'll bounce on out of here. So this is a pretty big deal, especially to one individual and his supporters, his teammates, and that's Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez was granted bail. The judge told him, quote, I hope you don't prove me wrong. But I want to read a little bit of this and, you know, we'll react to it. And uh, and and that's it. You know, I mean, he still has more more that has to come up, has to happen with, with this. There'll still be a case, but at least he can go home and be with his family after being away for 253 days. The year has 365 days, so two-thirds of the year. He spent in jail on the charges of attempted murder and other counts. Remember, there was like 11 or 13 counts or something like that against him. But here is what the judge told uh, Cain Velasquez. He says, I have undertaken an individual consideration of the relevant factors as they relate to Mr. Velasquez. I considered the protection of the public as well as the victims. In this case, the seriousness of the charges and allegations. Mr. Velasquez's previous criminal record of criminal history and complying with court orders and the likelihood Mr. Velasquez will appear at future court hearings. With the consent of the defense, the court has reviewed the file for the purposes of the hearing, and I will note that Mr. Velasquez is 40 years old, married with two young children, has no criminal history. Based on that, the court has reviewed this incident is extremely serious and appears to be an isolated incident of behavior on the part of Mr. Velasquez directly connected to the sexual assault of his four-year-old son and his son's friends. As I mentioned, although the charges and allegations are extremely serious and dangerous, there's also a viable heat of passion defense. Uh, Mr. Velasquez has an enormous amount of support from members of the community, as reflected by many letters written by people on his behalf. The court does not find that Mr. Velasquez is a flight risk. Based on everything that has been presented to the court at this time, the court does not find, by clear and convincing evidence, that there will be, sorry, that there are no conditions or accommodation conditions or amount of bail that will not protect the public or the victims or ensure Mr. Velasquez's attendance for trial. Based on what Mr. Velasquez has proposed, the court is is going to impose as a condition of his release, an amount of bail of $1 million in cash or bond, home detention with GPS monitoring, TBI, CTE, outpatient treatment through Windfalls Wellness 
ranch counseling and or support group for victims of sexual abuse, search and seizure conditions, no weapons, and also comply with the protective gear and stay minimum 300 yards from Harry Goularte, Patricia Goularte, and Paul Bender. Um, I think that's enough. And normally I don't do that, but this has been a pretty big case from a pretty big figure in our sport. Goes, what are your thoughts? I'm happy that it happened. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think there is something to be said for the amount of time he spent in jail. If he would have gone into jail and then a couple weeks later or a week later got bailed out, I think his frame of mind might have still been a little different. Uh, but I think that time in jail, time away from his family, kind of reminds you of what's at stake here and what's on the line. And I think that that time was probably well spent for him and leads me to believe that he probably would not do something to risk that at this point, because he'll see when he gets home, like the effect that it had on his family. And I know he did it for his family, but sometimes we don't think about the large spectrum of things. And I think that time away uh, really probably cemented the fact that I think now uh, he's going to figure out how to move forward with all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I thought for some reason you'd go in another direction, but I'm, I'm glad we kind of agree on this. Uh, the, the judge, I thought nailed so many things. He's not, a, I don't see him as a flight risk. He based on previous criminal history, which wind up winds up being no criminal history consent with the defense. So it seemed like he really, really, um, kind of covered his bases. He explained it very well. And he feels like this guy is not a threat to the public. This was isolated, a crime of passion. And he'll still have to come back and face consequences when the case continues. But for now, he can be at home monitored while rehabbing himself, but also being there for his family. So I was happy. It was a big deal when this came out. The MMA community reacted to it. I posted something on our social media, our Instagram page for Junkie, after we made the post. I happened to make a comment. It got a lot of uh, likes, which means I think people were like, yeah, we're feeling you, G. I was just saying, Kane, go home and be with your family, you know. But there was still a few people that said, are you kidding? He shot at someone that's innocent. I know that. I know that. But these circumstances seem to be a little different. He wasn't aiming at that guy. He was aiming at the guy that allegedly abused his son. And it's unfortunate that someone innocent got caught up in it. For sure, I could acknowledge that. I'm not stupid, you know? But like you said, goes, and I'm glad you said it, 253 days is a long time, and I'm glad the judge, now I am glad that the judge five days later didn't just release him and give him the privilege of someone that's famous or rich mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, I guess, um, you know, him just kind of getting a pass that most normal human beings wouldn't make. Instead, two-thirds of a year, the judge and the people that, you know, um, put together his defense were able to kind of uh, paint a picture where the judge then found, felt comfortable to allow this to happen. You know, others will say he should have been home right away, but um, I think when you explained it that way, I kind of understood a little bit more of how you've been thinking throughout this whole time. But anyway, 
that's that. That'll continue. Shout out to Nolan King, Simon Samano from our side. I think they've done a great job of covering the case and explaining it in layman's terms, but still being specific with the details as to what's happening, what's occurred, what's going to happen, all that. So you can always go to MMA Junkie. And once you hit one of the stories, you'll see links to everything that's taking place. All right. Finally, the other order of business is your last reminder, UFC 281, the watch along this Saturday, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern, four fights on the prelims, and then five fights on the pay-per-view. So we'll be with you for a total of nine fights. Where this comes in handy for the watch along is the first four fights are for free, right? We all have access to ESPN Plus or whatever channel it is for the ESPN family. However, once you get to the pay-per-view, you got to decide, are you going to pony up almost 80 bucks? And watch the fights. Some people do. But if you don't, let us be your eyes and ears. We'll tell you exactly what's happening in real time for those five fights, including Chandler versus Poirier, Gutierrez versus Edgar, uh, Jean Weili, she's challenging Carla Esparza, Alex Pajeda, he's challenging Israel Adesanya, and Dan Hooker and Claudio Puelez, the Prince of Peru, they start things off on the pay-per-view. So it's going to be a fun time. Join us then, won't you? Uh, and for that, we're out of here. Keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the week. And I'll give goes the final word. I just want to remind people, um, I spinning back click, right? Every Monday, we go live now. And just in case there are still people that don't even know what that is and they hear us talk about it, spinning back click is a show that me and George do every week, every Monday, 9 a.m. Pacific. It's live. If you go to our YouTube channel, you can watch it live, but you can interact as well. All right. I advise you. This is a project that we created that we really like. It's fun. It's five topics. There's four of us. We go at each topic and then we have some bonus topics. There's uh, the people that can chat there in the chat room. They can interact with us. So sometimes we bring up some of that stuff. But really, we want this to take off. And if you listen to this show, I don't see why you wouldn't find that show interesting because it's basically what we're just picture. We had two other people here with us talking about all the things that we're doing. I think you dig it. So I'm going to say on Monday, please go in there, give the show a shot, try and watch it live. If you can't catch the replay, but uh, I think you'll like the, the live experience. YouTube.com forward slash MMA junkie video. You might as well subscribe to the channel. In fact, a lot of our interviews like the ones that you hear, uh, if you also want to see them, they're also on that channel. You just scroll down and it says MMA Junkie Radio, and you'll see a lot of the stuff we did. I know recently the Ben Askren interview got a lot of love, so that that's all there as well, so you can listen and watch. All right, folks, again, keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the week. It's fight week, UFC 281. We'll see you on Saturday for the watch-along. Thank you, as always, for your support. Always go out and be a champion.